My name is Aidan Vokolo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Alan, thanks so much for coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Great to have you on. It's great to be here, mate. Looking forward to it. Alan, um, can you tell me a bit about your backstories? Where did you come from and, and how did you tell the industry and to where you are now as a, um, as a leader? Uh, so humble beginnings like um, a lot of Aussie young kids started in hospitality at the age of 16, hospitality being Hungry Jack's. Uh, they're in, in Queensland as well and uh, worked my way up through through the ranks as you do. Uh, found myself going from other hospitality franchises uh, within Queensland, Australia, then moved to the ACT for a bit and then also to Melbourne, all just to go to the next level. Chasing what I thought was what I wanted at the time, you know, going, improving my leadership skills and getting to know more a lot about the business in hospitality. To a point, fast forward from 16 to when I hit the age of 30 and I realised I wanted to do something more other than serve customers. I just found myself really focusing a lot on and caring for the team more so than the customers. So that can be a bit dangerous when you're in hospitality, you know, customers come first, but I was putting the team first. So that awareness made me shift to team development, focusing on the team, coaching, um, which has led me to the position where I'm in today, being able to help uh, restaurant owners, cafes with their team and getting the most out of the team. And that's what I really, really, really enjoy doing. Do you remember the switch around your 30s where you went, where you focused less on on the customers and had that realisation that what you were really here for, I guess, was was to support the team in hospitality? Yeah, look, there was, um, you know, fast forward a bit there, but so there was a transition from I wanted to impact more people with being the, the support. So I took my first role in, in an office environment in a franchise thinking that this would be good. I've never done an office environment before. So I did that for 12 months, uh, creating content and writing content uh, to be distributed to the mass of the restaurants. And I found that... You know, that point there, I was like, I felt very, very disengaged with the company, which is horrible because I absolutely loved the company, but I just was feeling uh, not, you know, square peg, round hole. And this is when I was 30 and I said, okay, I, I need to I need to get out of here and move on to the next. How do I get myself into a group environment, back into restaurant, but not directly with customers? Uh, unfortunately, with that business, I wasn't able to make that transition. The opportunity wasn't there. This is when I was based in Melbourne where I am now. So I had to I had to jump ship elsewhere to another franchise and where I am now, which is at Zambrero, which is a healthy Mexican uh, restaurant. And this, the role that I'm doing now for Zambrero allows me to support franchise owners and company restaurants, basically coaching and development them through to get the, the best results out of the team. And I guess that the switch there was, yeah, I just really didn't enjoy what I was doing. And that was the first time, you know, over the 30 years that I felt like that. And, you know, had to, had to make the change. 
because I couldn't keep couldn't keep doing what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm sure I'm sure everyone's been affected by that, where you sort of get to a point in your career and you go, you know, is this what I really wanted at the beginning? And maybe, you know, maybe things change, and you know, you sort of decide exactly what you want. So, well done on um, on, on pivoting and still staying in the hospitality industry and realizing even when you're in the office environment that you know even you know you're in a more of a support role there but away from the front line so well, well done on having that realization that you know that that environment wasn't right for you and, and sort of back to where you are now yeah and i guess the greatest the thing is is taking risks right as cliche as it sounds we hear it everywhere but you know i put myself in an office environment thinking that it might be the right thing but if i didn't take that leap, which also caused me to relocate uh, cities, you don't know. So rather than wondering, you know, some people may look at it as I've lost 12 months. Well, no, I gained a lot from those 12 months and quickly realized, well, hey, this isn't for me. So yeah, it's just about getting out of your uh, day-to-day and what you feel comfortable and trying new things. Otherwise, you've got no idea where you're going and it just helps you get where you want to go quicker, I guess. Has that risk-taking ability, skill, has that, that been something you've, you've had throughout your whole life or is it something you've developed more recently? Uh, recently. Um, I'm very, very calculated with, with any big decisions. I'm very, very, I like to analyse things to the point where it's over-analyzing, which I'm constantly reducing the amount of analysing. Now I'm just, just jumping in. But there's always got to take calculated risks, right? Um, especially if it affects, uh, you know, the family or income uh, or your lifestyle that you want to maintain. So, but what I've realised is, you know, if you look at other successful people, they all take risks. If they're doing it, why aren't I doing it? So they're doing it for a reason and, and they're getting benefits out of it. Might take two steps back, but that might propel you four steps forward in uh, could be what months or years. But it's just about looking at it from. Um, you know, 30,000 feet in the air looking down, looking at the, the whole perspective rather than just thinking of short term. So, yeah, taking risks, calculated risks, it's all part of it. And that's what sets us apart from, from others who don't and are unhappy with where they are. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. And I'm, I'm, you know, for me, sort of mathematics and, and analytical way of, sort of life is, is what I do in a sense. And I'm, I'm the same. I'll, I'll, I'll tend to overanalyze the situation. You know, what, what's the exact point of which forward and whatnot? But at some at some point, you've just got to almost not put it, put the calculations away, but go, okay, well, what's what's the absolute worst case in a sense, and can I can I still recover from it? And if I can, yeah, yeah. is it is it you know is the upside worth it? And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes make the jump. See, yeah. and if you can't, you know, chances are you can probably go back. Well, that's right. I 100% agree with you, Aiden. And I believe you're, you're a numbers man. So, you know, you've got to know your numbers. But at the end of the day, what gets us forward is taking action. Like, we've got to do stuff. <laughs> we can't just sit around and um, ponder and overanalyze. It's just got to move on. So, yeah, agree. We're just curious. So you, you basically train up high-performing teams, hospitality industry through, um, through Zambrero with, with your franchises. What, in your opinion, what, what makes a high-performing team? I've, um, you know, my team is sick of me hearing saying this, but I've always said that a restaurant will always live or die by the owner or if it's a company restaurant, by the restaurant manager. Numerous cases around the world, and for me specifically around restaurants around Australia, it's if you change the leadership in a, what is a low-performing team, 
the, the amazing changes that will happen just because of the leadership change will change that low-performing team into a high-performing team, sometimes in a matter of weeks. So it, it all comes down to, the to you know, who's the head honcho there? Who's the one that's, that takes complete ownership? So it's, it's all about the leader. I highly believe there's no such thing as a bad team. It's the leader. What, are, what, what qualities of a leader make a good leader um, to go, you know, to transform a low-performing team to a high-performing? Well, yeah, there's, um, that's, a, that's a big question in itself. <laughs> there's so many variations. With hospitality, uh, from, from my experience and my belief, it's you've got to really got to care for the team. Like people are working with restaurants all around Australia, all around the world for low, low rates. Um, they can go across the road and go work somewhere else and get, you know, almost an extra 50% of what they're currently earning. So people will stay where they're valued, where they're being developed, where they're not being, you know, told lies and just that transparency and that openness. Leaders in the restaurant business, they've got to care, not rule with an iron fist. Those times have gone. It's, it's all about us as in the leadership team, working for our team members. So the complete reverse, right? It's what can we do for our team to help them develop uh, either within the hospitality business or whatever they choose to do after the hospitality business. All we want is to ensure that when they speak about where they've worked, you know, in our restaurants is about, okay, I absolutely loved working at this restaurant. I gained so much experience and learned this, this, and this, you know, and that, that's how we keep creating a brand that helps us bring in more high performance by attracting high performance by the, the references that we get from the people who have left. So, yeah, leadership, there's a lot that falls onto, onto leaders and they just really got to be transparent, vulnerable and really care about the team. If we care about the team, then they'll take care of the business. What, what you spoke about there can be applied to so, so many industries, not just hospitality. Yeah. Um, it's it's very sage advice, especially the leadership team, to instead of thinking about people working for them, think about how how that they can work for the team and to develop the team. And and I guess it comes back to having that long term as opposed to super short term. You know, how can I make the most money in the shortest amount of time versus you know the longer term approach of how can I set up before build a brand um, over the long term and then you know when, when staff do leave. And I mean. Hospitality is a great example of, you know, high staff turnover, typically. But even then, you know, your staff leave, they may say they still might have really good things to say about your business. But you, you want to make sure that you've developed them to the point that they can, as opposed to not treating them well and then sort of negatively affecting your brand going forward. Your, your team might, might be sick of you hearing it, but it's, it's definitely sage advice for anyone, really, not just in the hospitality industry. Yeah, no, true. And I, I often get have people say that to me. It's you know what you what, what we talk about is can be put to other industries as well, and it, and it is true. People that come to work in hospitalities, cafes, bars, restaurants, what have you, there everything that you learn in hospitality is can set you up for any other industry that you work in. It's so the, the skills can be so transferable. It's 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 amazing, and just the leaders. In our industry, hospitality, they've just got such a big responsibility to, you know, prepare the kids, what have you, and 
to want to go out into wherever it is that they want to pursue or if they want to stay within the hospitality business. And going back to what you said about or asking about leadership, it's having patience and, uh, and being empathetic is, is also a, a couple of key things as well because we often don't have the patience when we try to train or learn and we forget how we were when we were 18 or 15 or 23 or what have you. You've got to have that understanding of, okay, put yourself in their shoes and, you know, you only know what you know. So patience is a big part. And we as leaders have got to be uh, respectful of that and just be mindful of that before we, when we approach them with our, with, our, with our training. Yeah, yeah. It can be very hard not to sort of project yourself and go, okay, well, if, if I was to do this job, it would take me, you know, this many minutes in a sense. You know, why, why are they taking three times as long as what I would be able to do it? But it's... it's <laughs> yeah. It's like you said, putting yourself in their shoes and going, oh, you know, if, if you're, yeah, a, no, I agree. yeah, you've, you've had a long, a longer time to develop those skills and they're sort of built in. Whereas for them, they're sort of learning it, you know, again and again and again so that they do embody it. So there is that. Of course, it's going to take them longer. As a leader, your, your job, I guess, is, is to guide them in a sense. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, it's, you know, you've got to treat them like our own kids, right? doesn't matter how old you are. We have leaders that are, that are 25 or 23 and you're onboarding and you're training essentially your kids. Maybe they've never held a mop before or poured a beer before. You've got to be respectful of that. And I always say never assume. Never assume that people know stuff because you only know what you know, as I said before. But, yeah, no, I completely agree with what you're saying, Aiden. Yeah, it comes, when you say never assume, it comes back down to being open and, and transparent, you know, eliminating the need to assume to, to a degree. Mm, yeah. It's very easy to assume. <laughs> yeah, <it> definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> what common mistakes do you see franchise owners uh, making that you sort of, you can, you know, quickly identify going, you know, these are, these are the areas you really need to need to focus on besides, besides the leadership angle of... Um, you know, developing empathy and having patience. What other things can franchisee owners do to boost their chances of success? Yeah, this is for for anybody in, well, again, this can be put to any industry, right? But one of the key things that um, we need to do in, in specifically in, rest, in restaurants is we need to give, we need to have those difficult and awkward conversations that we don't want to have. The big issue that we have at the moment in the hospitality is that we get frustrated about the performance or substandard performance of our team, right? And then we there's a lot of blaming going on or they weren't trained right or um, they just don't know something that they shouldn't know. It's common sense. However, when we see that substandard performance or behaviour, we allow it to continue or we approach the conversation half-heartedly and not in a serious manner to really convey that we don't approve of what that behavior or that performance is. So I guess it's about performance managing the, our team. So even with high performers, so they might be performing extremely well, they might have done something that, or they might have come late to work, for example, and it's starting to become a, a habit, you know, it lasts three or four times, but we don't say anything because you know they're our high performer you know they can sort of let it get away with it but as soon as as soon as we as leaders allow that behavior to continue then we're training them to say yeah it's okay to be late just because we have the fear of 
being the bad boss or we just don't want to hold them accountable. So accountability is a big, a big thing that we are seeing in the industry that is a lacking from our leaders. And it's just because, so generally it's one or two things. One is they're really, really friendly with the team, which I highly encourage to, to have a good relationship with the team and socialize outside of work. That's completely fine as long as the leader understands it holds himself in the restaurant, you know, a bit of ability to understand where the line is. But when it comes time to have those tough conversations or performance, some performance manage somebody, and what I mean by that is just basically giving them feedback about the substandard performance or behaviour, because they don't want to be the bad guy or they don't want to be hurt the other person's feeling. So too often we're allowing this performance to continue because we're afraid to have those conversations or we just don't want to feel like the bad guy. And the problem with that is is two parts. One is we're doing ourselves a disservice because as leaders, we're responsible for the whole team, right? Not just the one individual. So we should be taking care of the whole team and protecting the high performance. Because if the high performers see that if you, a leader, are not um, addressing a particular substandard behavior performance, then they will only allow that to slide for a certain period of time before they want to quit or go somewhere else because they know that you aren't doing your job as, a, as an owner. And the other part is, is as leaders, if we don't have the conversation with the substandard performance or behaviour with that individual, then we're not developing them. We're not giving them the opportunity to grow or learn from the behavior and guide them in the right manner or because we feel bad or because we don't want to be the bad guy. So there's two parts how it hurts the business. And so much money is lost and spent on retraining, hiring, uh, spending money on ads to to attract people just because we're not willing to have that, whether it be a five-minute, 20-minute conversation with a person that can potentially turn that person's life around and even give you a high performer who will stay with you for a long period of time because you took the time to have that conversation with that that individual. Yeah, plus I think it develops you as a leader as well if you're one that can have those tough conversations and it's a great way to, especially a good way to differentiate yourself as a leader who can have those tough conversations. And they might hurt and they're not easy to have. I, I respect that. But they hurt more if you don't have them. But as you were mentioning, you know, the cost of training, ticing, finding recruiters to find another, um, especially if they're a high performer as well, you know, to try to find another another high performer to come into your team. And then if you're not really willing, if you're still not willing to have those powerful conversations, just keep repeating that same process. Back to the adage of, you know, how you, how you do one thing is how you do everything. You know, how you treat one, you know, one employee is essentially how you treat them all. So Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. It's, it's those, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. All it takes is for somebody to really, I guess, bring that awareness to you because I was in the same boat, you know, years, years back. You know, I didn't want to have those tough conversations because I always had a really good relationship with the team until my boss one day sat me down straight and said, hey, Alan, you do not like confrontation. If you continue down this path, you will not develop as a leader. And that really, one, it sucked hearing that. but I needed to hear that. Two, it was from that day forward, I will never remember, I'll never forget the conversation that I had with, with, my, with that boss at the time. And to this day, I always live by that. And that a, lot of, a lot of issues that, are having, that people have in their restaurants can be solved with that conversation. So 
That's just such a massive, massive part of being an owner and to have to in order for your business to succeed. Yeah. The, the sort of the, the growth of a business is determinant on the growth of the, the business owner itself. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like I said at, at the start of the conversation, it's a restaurant will live and die based on the owner. And if you're in a franchise group, um, again, what's the founder doing that's sort of trickling down to, to the restaurants? And because middle management can only do so much if they're trying to do one thing which is positive, but, you know, the one above the middle management is causing things not to go the right way. Uh, or if you're just a, a little cafe, uh, family-owned, it, it depends on the owner. Yeah, the, the buck always stops with them. So when, when I go to... To, to clients and, and visit their restaurants, I, I always just, the owners tell me what their issues are and just by simple questioning, I, I, I generally know within the first five, 10 minutes where the issue is and, you know, probably seven out of 10 times it is with the owner and having that co- tough conversation with the owner is part of my job is understand. well, hey, this is where the issue is. This is how we're going to move forward from here because it's not the team. And sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow, and uh, but when you really highlight the the money that gets burnt, and if this continues to happen, you know it is a bit of a shock to the system. Uh, I've had many conversations where there's tears, tears involved, and they're not good to have, but they are good to have because that's the conversation that needs to be had for them to be able to stand. Well, hey, this is I'm the I'm the actual issue here. How do I move forward? And yeah, and the plan starts from there. Yeah, yeah. You live and breathe what you say about having those uh, those tough conversations, and it can be. I can imagine it can be quite quite difficult going, you know, talking to a, a restaurant manager, you know, cafe owner, and going, well, well, actually, it's not it's not the team, you know, it's um, it's you, and then and developing ways to move forward. But then if you have that conversation, then well, you know, then then you continue to to have those problems and have those issues. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's right. Yeah, you gotta practice what you preach, and yeah, it's not. Uh, again, it's not a. That's probably the difficult part of of, of what I do, but I, it's always just the bad side. And after struggle and frustration in those conversations, there's always, always, always breakthrough at the end. Whether it be after that meeting, or whether it might be after four months after that, <laughs> it could depending on how stubborn uh, people can be. And yeah, it's it's about seeing that light, I guess, and moving forward and keep moving forward until they, they'll start to see the, the, the benefits for it. And having the culture in the restaurant, which is another major factor, which I hear gets talked a lot about now, uh, and it's important. And the, the culture, whether it be toxic or fantastic with high performers, again, is, it's all based on what is the leader of the restaurant doing to, to continue to nurture that that culture that they want, those values that they talk about or maybe stuck up on the wall. And it's not about trying to achieve those values. It's about already living those values at that time and attracting those people who are aligned with those values that you're trying to create in the culture or that you are creating in the culture. Uh, yeah, culture is a very, very big, important part of, of any business. Uh, as we said before, but for me specifically, just because I know that I know the restaurant business is yeah, it has to happen in a restaurant. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, with with any industry, really, and it's it's one of the values, but it's important to live by them. And, and and I guess almost another to to 
by them as well, as opposed to going probably it can be quite easy to just hire on skill and go, can the person do the job that I need them to do? You're not asking the, the next layer of questioning, which is, is this person a right fit for the culture that I want to build in my team? I'm curious, what, what cultures do, um, sorry, what values do um, Zambrero live by? Oh, look, so Zambrero was, we're big philanthropists, or Sam Prince, who's the founder, big philanthropist, wants to stop world hunger by 2025. Uh, every burrito or bowl that Zambrero sells, we donate to some food, plate of food to somebody in need around the world. Very, very big on that. And a lot of franchise partners uh, and in our employees, they hear about that, which is the, called the Plate for Plate initiative. And that's all they, they come to us. They, they love that. And I guess the best form of marketing in attracting high performers is the people that are in the restaurant because we want our customers to become our employees, our team members. So that's why we always hire based on personality rather than experience, right? And this is what I tell. So aside from, from Zimbra, because I also help other, uh, other restaurants and cafe owners on the side, uh, what I tell them is, is you have to understand what it is that you're trying to achieve in your, in your hospitality or in your business. And the only way you can do that is by first understanding what your, value are, what your values are, what you say that you believe in and what you are, whether if that's you know, motivated, committed to helping you know, people in need, whatever that is. But how are you communicating that to the people when you interview them? How are you finding out about the people when you interview them? Is it just based on their skills or are you having a proper actual human being conversation, not like an actual structured interview? For example, you know, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And, you know, tell me if you were what you do in this situation. It's just about having a proper conversation and really getting to understand the individual, not their skills. So uh, in my opinion and what I often uh, help with other you know, cafe owners and restaurant owners is what are the people that you're trying to bring in? And when you're having these discussions with these people in the interview process, are you actually getting to know them or are you just getting to know their skills? So hard because it's very easy to, anybody can make a, a coffee or generally anybody can make a coffee, but it's very hard to train somebody to smile, train somebody to have a bubbly personality. So they're the, they're the sort of things that you obviously need in our high performers in hospitality. So that's a, that's a big aspect of it as well. Yeah, definitely. It's um, I like how you, how you say have, have the real conversation in in the interview. You know, get get, get beyond the, the the higher level questions and, and to understand who the person is. And it's yeah, it's 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 easier to train someone in a skill than it is to change someone's personality. I think we've, we've we've been through life where we can it's it's, it's it is hard to change it's, you know it's hard to change us ourselves let alone trying to change somebody else's sort of core personality. Yeah, no, it is. I actually heard um, one of our some one of our leaders who mentioned that they used to they went to an an Apple interview, which is that they do group interviews a couple of years ago, and it just they really valued the um, what what Apple said, and it was I mean the whole experience was. You know, people were able to let their guard down and be who they are. And that way the employers, Apple, can see, okay, well, this is who Johnny is. Johnny is, you know, seems bubbly, shows a few leadership capabilities there. And you wouldn't be able to see, you don't often see that in an interview. Um, generally, people are prepped for an interview, although I'm still amazed how some people don't prepare for interviews. <laughs> so that's a different story. But 
yeah, having a, a, a formal interview, at least for hospitality, I don't want to have a, a structured, rigid interview process. And it needs, we need to know who you are really, what you like doing when you're not at work, you know, your family, your friends, all, all that personal stuff. We need to know that because that's who you are. I don't, couldn't care at all what it is that, that, you, that you know. And we've hired many a people uh, and I've, we've also hired uh, for, uh, for other restaurants, uh, owners, people who have no experience at all in hospitality but just based on their personality and their just their sheer, infect, their sheer infectious behaviours and during a conversation, we've hired them and they turned out to be uh, one, of our, one of our high performers. Is it amazing? Well, not really because, you know, that, that drive, that personality is there and that's what we need um, for the restaurant. But you brought this up before actually, Aiden, you said um, about does this person fit my culture? So even if you are part of a franchise or you have two cafes, each of those two cafes have their own personality. You can't hire um, one individual for both of them. One of them might go great for one, you know, cafe one, but cafe two, there's no way in hell that they'll mesh well with that culture there because of just the people there or the leader in there. So understanding who you're hiring, if you've got multiple sites, that's also a key important thing to, to understand. Sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. For me, in my opinion about hiring, I, I always think it's, it's 50-50. So you, sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. Yeah, you, you never know, <laughs> in my opinion anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes you, you can't really see someone's true character until they try as much as you can in that sort of interview process. But, you know, it may be... You know, months down the track when you get a better sort of better appreciation of, of who they are. So yeah, yeah, yeah took right. There's no, I guess there's no guy out there to to hire the perfect staff member every time. It's um you can definitely boost the odds with the interview. Mm. Having those, like I said before, you know, feedback and having those conversations with them, you know, are they receptive feedback, that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're 100% right, 100% right. I don't know how the HR people do it. I don't know how the hiring people do it. They've got a, they've got a knack for it. I definitely, I know that's not uh, an area that I'm strong at, <laughs> but it's it's an area that I, I can I can get by. But yeah, I don't know how the professionals do it. They must be the people whisperers of understanding if somebody's full of it or not. Uh, but even I know that they've gotten it wrong sometimes. But anyway, that's a whole different industry. Put <laughs> <laughs> a question for you, a uh, two more before we wrap up. What, what are the changes you'd like to see in the hospitality? A question I appreciate. So if you've got, you know, one or two. Yeah, so there's two things. And again, sticking with the, the team aspect, I, I want us to really, whoever the leaders are, owners are, whether you're a big company or you're just a cafe, I'd like us to really have the patience and the understanding of the people who we've decided to bring on board uh, and what expectations we've clearly identified to each of our team members because we often get frustrated about a particular team member because they're not performing. And there's a whole bunch of things that we as owners should take complete ownership of, which is we're not, because this team member could be could have been fantastic, but because we have failed to set the expectation clearly and very simple, uh, simply to these people, that's why they're failing. It's not because they're failing because of their own merits. It's because we haven't done our job, whether it being clear, concise, and have be effective communicators. So 
I guess, what does all that mean? It's us taking complete ownership of the people that, of our people. So if somebody isn't performing, we should be looking within and saying, okay, why isn't little Johnny performing or making the coffees like I told him? I want us to really look within and say, did I give him the proper training? Tick, okay. Did I tell him what my expectation is? No. Okay, well, I should have done this. So I guess it's just having that self-awareness and putting, grabbing ourselves before we blame other people, just taking ownership of everything that happens in our business. Because uh, I'm talking everything, whether it's the the customers, the uh, the people, the suppliers, everything is the way it is because we as the head honcho uh, are allowing that to happen. So ownership is one big thing. The second thing would be the development of our team, not just our high performers that we know is in our, already in our group, but for the one that's sort of always dragging the chain or isn't quite there yet, it's quite easy for us to either move them on um, out of the business or leg it left aside. So I guess just really taking great care of our team and helping them develop because we've decided to bring them onto our home, our restaurants. So it's up to us to develop them to the best as we can. And sometimes, you know, as long as you can say with your hand on your heart, you said, I've done absolutely 100% everything that I can to help this person grow and develop and they just haven't done it or they choose not to, we should still do everything we can. But if it gets to that point, then I can, then you should consciously be able to go to bed at night and terminate somebody because they're just not right for the business. Sometimes it's right. But I really believe that we really got to dig deep inside and say, hey, have I done everything possible to help this person? Because I can't remember who said this, but I think it was, it's just, it resonates with me is that you wouldn't, I think it was Simon Sinek, he says, you wouldn't terminate, if you had two kids, you wouldn't terminate one of your kids out of the home because they got a C in their test, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't just kick them out. Sorry, I'm not going to develop you. You are out of the family. That doesn't happen, right? You, you work hard to help them improve. So if we take that sort of uh, process with our team, you'll be creating such a great culture that other people will see, other people will talk about it, and they want to be a part of. And generally, those type of people can be or already are high performers. And that is just makes any employer's life easier when you've got a team that will, you know, die for you when when push comes to shove. They'll always be there for you to support them because they know that you genuinely care for them because you've listened to their problems. You you've always been there. So that's the other thing is caring. Uh, caring and developing is is a big part. I'm pleased to say that it is, I do see this more often than what I did 10 years ago, but it's nowhere near enough as where it can be. Uh, and again, it's all because of the owners. So uh, those are the two things I would definitely like to see change or to continue to change as they are. Thank you for sharing, um, yeah, sharing those um, perspectives. And sort of comes back down to having that, that environment and creating the right environment for your, um, your staff to thrive. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 and that's the other thing is getting them to thrive in what they and getting them enjoy and highlighting their their their, their strengths. You know that, that's up to us. And sometimes they don't even know they're great at something until we say something to them. Hey, do you know you have 
great leadership skills. You haven't thought about being a, a leader here and that's all it takes. And then you've just skyrocketed their, their ambitions their, or their career. You, you never know. Um, and we have the power to make that sort of impact on, on all of our team members just by having that conversation. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's amazing what a few words can, can have on a person and to give them, you know, a simple sentence. Like I said before, have you thought about becoming a leader? Can, can change someone's, you know, career trajectory from, you know, they might have only stayed at the, your company or your restaurant or your cafe for another year, but now you've added an extra five or ten years and then they may, you know, who knows where they might end up. So it's... Uh, sure. Yeah, and Aidan, what about you? Have you had somebody that's, that's sort of said, you know, asked you a question or sort of questioned your, your abilities to say, hey, do you know you can do this or have you thought about doing this and you go, oh, crap, I could probably actually do that or just giving you that inspiration? Good question. Um, I've worked in quite a, quite a lot of jobs to get to where I am today. I'm a self-motivated person. I think it's probably come more, more outside, of, outside of the sphere than, um, than within. Yeah, have, have, have you ever had somebody, whether just an individual, giving you some sort of, or the, something that's caused you to remember or that you can think back and remember, okay, this is this has made me think about this and therefore it's giving you maybe the direction that you're in or where you are today. I don't actually have one that comes to mind, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I, I don't think I have. I've, for me, I've, I've been the sort of person who generally I'll, I'll try and take it and sort of <laughs> yep. push, push the envelope that way. You know, positions, I worked nine years at a um, food court at Australia Zoo. And I yep. remember about two and a half years in when I approached the, um, uh, sort of the, the admin manager who was the daughter of the, um, the person who owned the, the whole operation. And I think I just asked, you know, would you mind if I got some experience working in the admin office and doing that sort of thing, looking at the finances? And I think it was just through that conversation. So I think it was just through a conversation, really. But I guess, in a sense, sort of, all that they allowed me to, to take that responsibility on. It, you know, if, if they didn't, then I wouldn't have had that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. No, well, well that's, yeah. that's, it. that's it in itself. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm similar to you, Aiden, is I'm, I don't need other people to tell me, you know, go be successful or go, 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 be, go take initiative. Uh, it seems like we're both driven and we were goal-orientated and we just get shit done. And, but that has led to you to go to, you know, the, the person who you said have helped you with... Um, at the zoo to get you into that role, the fact that they've allowed you to do it, I guess, is their way of saying, "Yeah, mate, you can you can do this." Otherwise, I'd say, "Nah, no way in hell." <laughs> so, yeah, I exactly guess that's right. uh, that, that's that's moved you into the position. And I guess tying this back into leaders communicating to their to their team, there there aren't you know there's, there are people who are like you and I. And they'll say, "Hey, can you can you give me the opportunity?" But some of them won't either because they're afraid to or they don't have the belief or they just don't know. And therefore, it's up to us as leaders to point out and say, hey, you have the chance to do this and let them know. And they literally, you know, they don't know. Um, like I say, you, don't, you only know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so we, we should sort of light, light the switch on and, and see if they'll, if they'll take a bite, I guess is what we should be able to do more of as leaders. Yeah, exactly right. You know, yeah, precisely. You'll, you'll, you'll have staff that'll come up to you and ask, and, and not because they, you know, sometimes they're afraid, but like sometimes they don't actually know. Sometimes they can't see it within themselves and sometimes it takes 
an external perspective to go, you know, you, you've shown some leadership capability. You, you look like a really good team leader. You know, have you thought about, you know, developing those skills further? Yeah, it all comes, I think this whole, this sort of revolves around conversations, you know, both the tough conversations we need to have and the conversations that, you know, we can have to develop, you know, develop stuff further. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, conversations, that's that's my business. That, that's, <laughs> that's my business now. It's it's conversations. And the most frustrating thing that I hear in hospitality, actually add that to your list. One, another thing I'd like to change in hospitality is the phrase, I don't have time. That absolutely frustrates the hell out of me. There is so much time in the, I don't care if you're busy, you're short staff, your equipment broke down, the lights go out, whatever. There is always time to make a conversation with somebody who needs to have it, whether it be a two-minute conversation feedback or, a, or an hour conversation, uh, performance management plan, whatever it is, you've got to make the time as a leader to, to do stuff. It's not about finding time. Time's there. It's about making the damn time to do it. That's one thing that absolutely frustrates the hell out of me is I don't have time or there's no time. God, that, that, that just gets my freaking juices going. <laughs> there's always time. There's always time. It's about planning, plan, plan yourself the better. That's, that's one of my things. As you can tell, I get fired up about it. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I agree completely. I actually recorded a podcast interview where it was more just me, me talking about it and it was on that exact same topic. It's um, everyone's got time. Everyone's got 24 hours. It's not you don't have a lack of time. It's you've got to relook at your priorities and you're prioritizing, you know, you've, you've got to change what you're prioritizing. Sometimes that might, you know, in a personal sense, that might be, you know, spending less time on Netflix and, and whatnot. And, and in a business context, it might look like, you know, spending less time on the things that aren't really adding value. Mm, agreed, agreed. I mean, if we don't make time for our team and their developments, and what we want and expect from them. I mean, that's who run our rest, who run our restaurants, right? It's our team, not our equipment. Um, although I have seen a few robot hands, I think, where they can cook meals somewhere. I'm not sure where I saw that, probably in Finland or somewhere else, which is crazy. But um, right now, it's run by people, and you need to make time for your people. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, um, it's so important. Alan, uh, one last question I'd like to ask everyone on the podcast is, what's your definition of the grind? The grind. The grind is, if I can paint a picture to what the grind is, I do my grind uh, six days a week. I wake up at 3.25 a.m. Some people think that's crazy. Have my first breakfast, go to the gym, shower, meditate for a few minutes, journal, breakfast, work on the business for two hours, then go to work, come back, spend time with, with my partner, have dinner, do if I've got some client calls, I'll do some client calls and then go to bed by eight. Yes, eight. Some people laugh at me. Uh, I had one of our leaders say, Hey, Alan, do you know you go to bed at the same time as my nephews? Oh, yeah. How old are they? Six and seven. So, yeah, okay. So, the, the grind is having a process, having a procedure, having a system that you follow every day and all for the process of developing yourself, improving yourself, setting an example for others about what you preach and actually living it. Because once you do that for days, weeks, months, years, uh, then it'll inevitably be the success, the, the goal that I'm trying to achieve, which will then lead to another goal and another goal, um, inevitably. So it's about 
the self-improvement daily, every single day. I said six days because um, Sunday I just rest and just chill. You need you need rest. And it's about the discipline to work every day to what you want to achieve. So I guess that's my my definition. That's a wonderful definition. And um, you brought up a few good things about meditating and, and journaling that are, you know, so important. You know, taking time for yourself to just, just reflect is, is crucial. Yeah, I never really, I never really done that before. I've never been into it. Again, I look at the people who I uh, look up to and I go, well, if they're doing it, they're successful, why can't I do it or why shouldn't I be doing it? So there has to be a benefit to it. And because I'm, I give, I'm more open-minded now than what I used to be. I used to be very closed-minded. But now, again, why are they doing it? I should be doing it as well. And I'm starting to see and reap the benefits of it. And I couldn't, couldn't recommend it anymore to somebody else's just to get somebody else with outside eyes looking in on your life, looking in on your business, uh, like a coach to help you help you improve because otherwise the grind can be in a negative term, which is you're just grinding away at something that you will never achieve because you're going round and round in circles doing the same things and not actually getting you closer. You're just treading water and that's not a good grind. Um, there is a good and there is a bad. So, and you need, you need I, I honestly believe you need, you need a coach to help you. I have a business coach, I have a personal trainer coach, and I also have another business coach who helps me with copywriting and all that sort of stuff that I'm not good at. But if I don't invest money in that, then I'm never going to get to where I want to go throughout this grind. So it's um, it's very, very important. Yeah, yeah it's all important to have it's, you know, a team around you as an individual as well, you know, finding, finding the coaches that, you sort of, that can help you get to where you want to get to. Mm, mm, agreed, 100%. Um, Alan, where, where can people find more about you? Mate, I spend a lot of the, they can see my daily grind on Instagram, which is Alan Borges, A-L-A-N-B-O-R-G-E-S, A to B, is in the letter A and the number two B on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. LinkedIn and Instagram is where I'm at the most. Um, you can see a lot of team development stuff for your restaurant business and just some discipline work as well on my Instagram so you can actually see things that may benefit you if you struggle with discipline and motivation. Amazing. Um, Alan, thanks again for, uh, for sharing all your wisdom and all your experiences today. Some super valuable advice for those listening. So definitely um, definitely check Alan out. Mate, thank you so much, Aidan. Appreciate your time and uh, 100% behind with what you are doing. Uh, I want to give you credit as well because... People need to hear more stories from a lot of people around around the world. And the fact that you're taking the time to do this is fantastic. So definitely keep at it. Thank you for your time, Aiden. Appreciate it. Thanks. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, I appreciate you for stopping by. Please subscribe. Otherwise, if you took away valuable advice from this episode, I'd love for you to share it with others. Until next time.